0: Welcome to Language of God and to a special Lent Reflection series where we're reading selected pieces from Wild Hope, Stories for Lent from the Vanishing by Gail Boss. I'm Colin Hugerer, the producer of the show. Wild Hope is a book of stories about wild creatures that are imperiled. Before we get to the reading, here's the author, Gail Boss, to give a little context for the book.
1: In writing the book, I learned that the word lent comes from a Germanic root, lengthen, which means lengthen. So our English word Lent originally didn't mean this season of penance, repentance, passion. It it didn't mean any of that. It meant the season of lengthening days, spring. Well, spring is that season of growth, right, when the hard husks of things break open and the season of hibernation and sequestration of energy is over, and I thought, thought as I was imagining a book about the peril of extinction for animals, what better time for us to let in that suffering and allow the hard husk surrounding our hearts that we put up for protection to break open and to let in more of... Love and compassion, meaning God, if God is love, to let in more compassion for these creatures that are made like we are of the earth. And it seemed to me that so many of these creatures, by writing about how they are amazing and beautiful, can't help but bring us to awe and wonder. And then if we learn about their suffering, can these stories Crack open that husk and convict us of the suffering of God's beauty. I mean, isn't that what Holy Week is all about? The suffering of God's beauty. There you have it on the cross.
0: The Reflections from Wild Hope are grouped into five different weeks, with four creatures in each week through the season of Lent and four more during Holy Week. Gail decided to group the creatures for each week by the main threat to their survival.
1: Then it came to me that if I called them things like the hungry, the sick, and the homeless, people might, I hope, hear the echo of Jesus in Matthew 25. Insofar as you have done it to those without homes, without food, as you have visited the sick, You have done it unto the least of these, my brothers and sisters, so that readers might begin to see these creatures as, yes, our brothers and sisters.
0: Week one is The Hungry. We'll read one of the reflections each week for the next five weeks. We'll end with an interview with Gail Boss on the last Thursday in Lent. We'll have a different staff person read each week. I'll be reading the first. Week one, The Hungry. The Red Knot Shoulder to shoulder, hundreds of stout little birds pace the edge of the ebbing tide. All at once they burst up, then flutter down, regroup, pace again. It's an evening in late February, and everything in them tells the flock of red knots, leave, soon. They're synchronizing a pole-to-pole flight, precisely with the movements of creatures a continent away. As with aerial acrobats, a gap in connections is apt to be fatal. For almost five months, they've been preparing themselves for this feat. Last October, they dropped onto this thumb of land at the southern end of the earth, famished, having spent every last coin of strength flying 9,500 miles from the Canadian Arctic, after they'd labored to hatch and fledge a clutch of chicks on the unforgiving tundra. Through blinding gales, they've probed the tidal plain of Tierra del Fuego, gobbling little clams and mussels whole. They've kept their intention singular, to regain weight and rebuild breast muscle. Their return trip, not a mile shorter, will perhaps cost them more. Now, the weight of an avocado, they preen the new set of flight feathers they've grown for this moment. Ready, sensing the tick of their internal clocks, still they wait for better weather. Stiff winds and storms sap precious reserves and skew their impeccable timing. Finally, a clear, calm window opens in the evening sky. With a shuddering swoosh, they lift and wheel, curving smoothly, sinuously, upward, upward, one bird never jostling another, one vast, winged body. Up the southern American coast they'll hop, aiming for beaches of northern Brazil. Arriving in April, they're half an avocado's heft, and brighter. Along the way, gray and white feathers on their heads and breasts began to molt and grow in warm cinnamon, These are the feathers that name the knots red, and attract mates eight weeks hence. As their breeding plumage fills in, these birds scour the tidal flats, avid to refuel for the journey's next most precarious leg. But each year there are fewer and smaller shellfish in the warmer, more acidic ocean. Each year the knots must work harder to regain the weight lost getting here. Some won't. The flock stays and feeds as long as it dares but its appointment with an ancient creature further up the Atlantic insists. So on an early May evening, they rise again, white bellies gleaming in the twilight. They climb to 20,000 feet, stroking above the open ocean, guided only by the stars and motions of the sun. Three days, four days, barring hurricanes, no food, no water, calling a soft nup-nup to each other across the thin air. If all is as it should be, the knots will slide down the last 3,500 miles and land on the beaches of Delaware Bay, just as horseshoe crabs are rowing back out to sea. With the full and new moons of May, the crabs swim ashore and spawn, leaving billions of green eggs the size of pinheads. Ravenous, emaciated, the birds pump their bills up and down in the sand like sewing machine needles. Most of the world's red knots are here, now. Nowhere else, at no other time, is their table laid with these tiny gems of pure energy. And just when they need them, though the little birds have flown 7,500 miles from Tierra del Fuego, 2,000 more stretch ahead. And then the intensity of mating, laying, hatching, and defending chicks on the Arctic tundra. To be ready, each one labors to double its weight again, which means swallowing 400,000 little green eggs in about 12 days because the Knots have an appointment with lives in the Arctic, too. There, during a narrow slice of June, insects will hatch, food for the chicks that must also be hatched by then. The Knots must leave Delaware Bay by the end of May, or the offspring they've not yet conceived will break from their eggs into air empty of insect larvae and starve. On the month's last day, one bird rests in a woman's hand. She can feel his heart flutter within his too narrow breast. Like many of the knots her team has weighed, measured and banded, he has not eaten anywhere near his egg quota. For years, fishermen took too many crabs from the bay. Plus, a roiling storm, of which there are more as water and air currents around the globe warm, confused the spawning schedule of the crabs that are left. And storm surge stole a bit of unbuilt beach where these expected to bury their eggs. All that loss means this little bird is apt to be lost too. 75% of the world's red knots have been lost in the woman's lifetime. It's why she's come. She and her team have synchronized their lives with those of the knot. All along the flyway, they count, measure, and monitor, from the size of South American shellfish to the number of Arctic nests. With tens of thousands of data points, they paint pictures of wonder and loss for all of us. See this palm full of bird, the woman says. See his magnificent endurance and resilience all of it evoked for exquisite timing. Imagine living exquisitely intertwined with creatures worlds away. What might be evoked in us? Kneeling in the sand, the woman presses her cheek against the quiet bird's soft wing and breathes what she wants to be strength and is surely love into his neck. Then opens her hand. Thanks to Paraclete Press, who gave permission to use excerpts from Wild Hope. Wild Hope is by Gail Boss, with beautiful illustrations by David G. Klein. Find out more about the book in the link to the show notes. Language of God is produced by BioLogos. It has been funded in part by the Fetzer Institute, the John Templeton Foundation, and by individual donors and listeners who contribute to BioLogos. Language of God is produced and mixed by Colin Hoogerwerf. That's me. Our theme song is by Breakmaster Cylinder. BioLogos offices are located in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in the Grand River watershed. If you have questions or want to join in a conversation about this episode, find a link in the show notes for the BioLogos forum, or visit the website, BioLogos.org, where you'll find articles, videos, and other resources on faith and science. Thanks for listening.